Longhorn Confidential Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's. Cure your craving. Stop, stop in today or visit zaxby's.com. Hello, Texas fans. This is the Longhorn Confidential Podcast for Thursday, September 12th. We are two days away from the Texas Rice game. We're also four years removed from the last time Texas played the Owls. That 42-28 win featured a rushing touchdown, a passing touchdown, a defensive touchdown, and Longhorns also scored on special teams. I'm Danny Davis, the Austin American Statesman at Hook'em.com. I'm joined by Mike Craven. Say hello, Mike. Hello, Mike. All right, Mike. Uh, obviously, this game this weekend is going to be in Houston. It's going to be played at Energy Stadium. The Houston area has a lot of talent. In fact, uh, seven starters from this last game for uh, Texas against LSU, they're Houston area kids. Sam Cosme, Joseph Osai, obviously pretty much all their cornerbacks. Uh, how important is this Houston area to Tom Herman and his recruiting strategy? Is it the bloodline of uh, Tom Herman and what he wants to do recruiting-wise? It is, and it definitely was for his first two recruiting classes. If we look at 2018 and 2019, specifically that 2018 class that's now starting in a lot of spots. So you mentioned uh, you know, the cornerbacks, even B.J. Foster, uh, those kind of guys, Joseph Asai. When he first got here, he was from Houston. Not, not particularly, but he, you know, he coached at Houston. Most of the staff was at Houston. So he knew all of those high school coaches. He had made it an effort to kind of recruit Houston while he was at Houston and built a reputation doing that, signing Ed Oliver amongst others. So when he got to Texas, I think it was really easy for him to recruit the Houston area, to rely on those old connections. But the Houston area alone cannot make Texas a national championship contender. It if you look back amongst Matt Brown's best teams, Texas's best teams, they always had talent from DFW and Houston. Tom Herman and his staff are doing a great job kind of transitioning into being more diverse throughout the state. If you look at the 2020 and 2021 class, there's already more DFW prospects committed in those than there was in the previous three under Herman. And if you look at 2021, they already have two from Denton Ryan, uh, one from Dallas Skyline. So they're, they're hitting the, the Dallas area hard now, and I think that helps balance it out. Yeah, right. You know, let's as we go around the 40 acres, as we do each week, let's kind of keep on that theme. You just mentioned Denton Ryan. Uh, Texas received a commitment. They lost on Saturday, but they gained a commitment. So it was kind of one of those mixed emotions things for, I'm sure, people who follow recruiting. Uh, what, do Texas, what do Texas fans need to know about Denton Ryan, athlete, Jatavian Sander, who's going to be in that 2021 class? Uh, he's a freak of nature. And what's hard about the, the recruiting now getting so early, he's just now starting his junior year. Mm-hmm. So it's so hard. to. He's 6'3", 220 right now. I mean, depending on how he grows, he could be 6'5", 240. He could stay 6'3". He could be done. You know, you just you don't know how his body's going to work out. Right now, he plays on offense and defense, plays kind of a tight end slot uh, type position on offense. He's also a defensive end, outside linebacker type on defense for Denton Ryan. My guess, if his body continues to develop and he gets up to 230, 240, he becomes kind of a Joseph Osai type where they like him as an outside rusher who can also learn how to play the linebacker position. Um, like we said, he's a 2021 kid. On Wednesday this week, you wrote in your dotted line column about Texas's 2020 um, class. What is left for Texas to recruit for those who didn't read your column, which they should, but what is left for Texas to recruit in 2020? Uh, not a ton. You know, right now Texas is at 18 commits. It's ranked sixth in the nation. You know, I would not expect the Longhorns to get to 25, to that 25 kind of magic number. I'd imagine it stays around 23, 24, and then they f- save a few scholarships for grad transfers. And the next class, which 2021 is the best class in Texas since 2018, so they'll want to use extra scholarships there. In 2020, Alfred Collins from Bastrop Cedar Creek, the defensive lineman, is probably the number one uh, target. Texas has done a great job on defensive line in this cycle, and to get Alfred Collins would kind of give them the clean sweep. 
Ty Jordan, a uh, running back from West Mesquite. Not your typical running back. More, he's like 5'7", 180 pounds. A guy that can play slot. A guy that can go on screens. That can do jet sweeps. Just another weapon on offense. And as we've seen watching Texas, they continue to need those kind of big play uh, uh, guys. And then after that, it, get, it gets a little weird. You know, you have a couple wide receivers that they're looking at uh, from out of state. L- LV, Buckley Shelton, who's from California. Te- you know, Tom Herman has a really good California connection from his time out there. So at this point, it's just, uh, you know, kind of picking and choosing. And then you hopefully maybe get somebody like Akili Ringo or someone like that who's kind of a five-star flyer. And you can show them the LSU game. You know, you're, you're recruiting Ringo, the cornerback from Arizona, I think the best way to recruit him probably is to show him that LSU game and say there's a lot of snaps to be made here. Yeah, speaking of that LSU game, as as we mentioned earlier, and as all Texas fans know, Texas lost that game. It was a close game, but Texas still lost it. They had a lot of recruits in attendance. A lot of recruits were paying attention to this game. You know, from the recruits you've talked to, how have they reacted to that game? And does a loss hurt Texas in the overall scheme when it comes to recruiting? I think a thing that fans need to remember is that. Players can get over losses and understand them better than fans can because the players play. You know, none, none of these kids have never lost a game before in high school or growing up. You know, losses happen. Uh, so what, this, what these kids are looking for is atmosphere, vibe, uh, kind of how they feel around the coaches. And there was nobody I talked to who did not walk away from the LSU-Texas game just completely impressed with Texas. And so many of them who are older now who have kind of gone to games for a couple of years now have talked about how different Texas is in terms of atmosphere and electricity and just the excitement around the program than they were when they were freshmen and sophomore and first coming around Texas. So to me, that, that's a, a good thing. Do you want to win those games? Of course. It looks better if you beat LSU, specifically a school that you recruit against in the Houston area a lot. But the way that they lost, I don't think hurts them and the atmosphere with game day in town, the undertaker, Matthew McConaughey, you know, just all kind of the circus that was there, I think kind of shows how big Texas football can be when they were good. And that's what these kids are looking for. Yeah. If Matthew McConaughey is involved. It's definitely a circus minister of culture or whatever he wants to call himself. Um, you know, one of those commits that was definitely paying attention was uh, Hudson Card, the quarterback over at Lake Travis. He's going to be the one of the quarterbacks in the 2020 recruiting class. You actually got to see him play on Friday, a 48-26 to win over Mansfield Timberview. So after a season opening loss, a good bounce back for the Cavs. Afterwards, you um, caught up with Hudson, who had five total touchdowns, four passing, one rushing in the win. Let's hear what Hudson had to say about the Longhorns. So here with Hudson Card from Lake Travis. Uh, Lake Travis didn't lose a lot of games, right? Mm-hmm. What was the message going into this week after a tough week one? I mean, it was a good lesson. Um, I mean, just kind of level-heading us a little bit. I mean, uh, maybe it was something, something we needed. Maybe it was a blessing in disguise. But, uh, I mean, I thought that the players took it well, or took it well in a good way. And uh, we had a really good week of practice, and we knew what we had to do to come out here and get the win. So you go from wide receiver your sophomore year to quarterback last year. I mean, it's kind of your team now. How much different does it feel than maybe your sophomore season when you were just playing wide receiver? I mean, just being the receiver to quarterback, I mean, you have to take control more. And, uh, I mean, it's my team now. It's my senior year. So, um, I mean, I'm just excited to to finally – I mean, I'm just trying to soak it all in, really. So, um, I mean, it's been fun so far, and I'm looking forward to the future. <clears throat> Clearly one of the top guys of this 2020 class. You're a local guy, you're a quarterback, so one of the leaders. Uh, what do you kind of do to help put together this class, keep it together, that kind of stuff? I mean, I talked to the guys uh, pretty recently. We're pretty... <clears throat> 
Just talking to the guys, um, I mean, pretty frequently, and uh, I mean, every time, I mean, I live right by Austin, so every time they visit, just um, proud of you, bro. Great thank job, thank you, I appreciate Great it. Great job. Um, every time we're here, I mean, I can take them on the boat or on the lake. I mean, it's pretty, really close, and it gives them a different perspective than downtown Austin compared to yeah. down here. So, right. I mean, I, I think it's something that they enjoy seeing. Is it an advantage for you being so close and being able to get there so often? I mean, definitely. Um, I can go down there whenever I want. Um, I mean, we're so close, so I can help with recruiting and everything like that, too. So, Where do you think your game's improved the most since maybe your first start last year? Um, I mean, I'd say just like my mechanics and everything, too. Um, I used to have a, a, a bigger, wider base and um, just trying to shorten that a little bit. and. Um, I mean, just all around. I mean, you just through experience, too. Um, I'd just say experience. How early did you know you were going to Texas? I mean, did you? was it kind of if they offer, that's where I'm going? I mean, I kind of ha- always had that in the back of my mind, pretty much, yeah. What makes games like tomorrow <laughs> so exciting? I mean, two of the top teams in the country. Uh, I mean, it's a really hyped-up game. Um, both teams are really great. And, um, I mean, it should be it should be a really good game, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Mike, uh, you know, Hudson Card, he is obviously, as Lake Travis quarterback, he had to be pretty good um, to quarterback at that school. He's going to be eight, the number eight in a row to actually go to college of their quarterbacks. Obviously, that you know, long line of quarterbacks includes some names that Texas fans uh, have some issues with, you know, Baker Mayfield <laughs> being one of them. Um, Garrett Gilbert makes some fans shudder, but you know Garrett's still cashing NFL checks. So I mean, you, good for you, Garrett. you know, say what you want to say about him, but obviously a lot of good quarterbacks at this school. Where does Hudson kind of um, fit in there, and what was the most impressive thing you saw about him last weekend? My favorite thing about Hudson is his ability outside the pocket. He'll need to work on throwing from inside the pocket, but so does Sam Ellinger when he arrived. So do a lot of high school quarterbacks. So I, I don't. That's not a big thing to me, but. His accuracy and his ability to move on the run and throw the ball deep is fantastic. He played wide receiver as a sophomore, so he's plenty athletic. He broke a 67-yard touchdown run against a really good Mansfield Timberview uh, secondary that has two or three Power 5 uh, FBS commits in there. Uh, so he's, he's fast, he's athletic, he can run the football, and he's a better passer right now than Sam Ellinger was when Sam Ellinger was at Westlake. And so I feel like the building blocks are there, and he may be the favorite to kind of take over for Sam once Sam's kind of done with eligibility. Yeah, you know, speaking of that, I mean, we expect Sam to still be here in 2021. Right. We expect Sam to still be here if they allowed him to be in 2025. But 2028. Be, yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, would you put Hudson as the favorite to replace him with all the you know, obviously Roshan's still there, even though he's kind of switched positions. Uh, Roshan Johnson, um, I believe Casey Thompson would still be here in 2021. But would you say Hudson Card would be kind of the favorite to replace him? Yeah, I mean, Casey Thompson's probably the, the odds-on favor just because he'll be the oldest in the room and have mm-hmm. so much experience. But Hudson's right down the street. He can come to meetings already. He can come to every single game. He gets to know this offense better than anybody. His offensive coordinator is a fir- former assistant coach on Texas' staff. Um, so he's running Texas's offense right now. With Rashawn looking so good at running back, I, I kind of think they may leave him there. I mean, he looks like a decent, solid uh, running back who could – you know, maybe play some quarterback in, in uh, you know, emergency situations. But between Jaquindon, uh Jackson that's coming in, and Hudson Card, give me Hudson Card on the advantage right there. And I, I feel like after their redshirt freshman years, those two are going to really battle it out. And I, I feel like Hudson's got 
more upside at quarterback just because of his tutelage and the way he's been raised. Yeah, so Texas fans that don't are kind of tired of quarterback controversies got away from a couple of years at Sam merging, but you know those are still coming. A lot of talented quarterbacks coming down here. Uh, last Friday, you also got to see Jaden Hullaby, who plays for Mansfield Timberview. Um, what did you see from him? What are your kind of thoughts on his game? You wrote about it a little bit on Monday in your dotted line column, but what did you think of uh, Jaden? He's one of the most mellow kids I've ever talked to. Like he really, you know, some of these guys get really nervous around interviews and stuff. Some of them get really excited, like. Holoby is always at a five, and I love him for that. Uh, somebody who also kind of lives in the middle. Uh, he, you know, he moved back to Mansfield Timberview. That's where he went as a freshman and sophomore. Then he went to Bishop Dunn as a junior, won a state championship, and taps there playing running back. Timberview doesn't have a quarterback, so he's basically playing quarterback, but it's just wildcat at all times. So he's clearly playing out of position. I asked him about that after the game, and he he was pretty upfront and frank about it, and I appreciated this. He he essentially said. You know, I'm a senior and I'm already committed, so there's not a ton for me to put on film that I need to impress coaches with. If this is where they need me to play, then I'll play here. So he's definitely, you know, kind of hand-strapped, not really getting to show all of his tools, but he's going to be a player for Texas. They'd love him right now if they had him. He's going to be a third down back. Uh, he'll be able to play some tight end, some slot. I kind of see him as the Andrew Beck type mm-hmm. guy, and I think that's what he'll be eventually for the long run. You know, if you're compared to Andrew Beck, I know Andrew Beck did not have a lot of, um, you know, eye-popping statistics, but he was an important part of that yeah. team last year. So that is a good thing for Texas fans to hear. All right, uh, let's do our recruiting spotlight each week. We kind of introduce you to a Longhorn who isn't going to be playing football at Texas. Uh, since the women's golf season is about to get underway, we are going to actually sp- shine a spotlight on future golfer Bentley Cotton. Now, we just talked about Sam Ellinger, Westlake High graduate. Uh, the football team has a Westlake High grad. Uh, the volleyball team with Claire Hahn also has a Westlake High grad. The uh, men's basketball team has two. Women's basketball team is about to get one uh, with uh, Miss Shea Holly. And so Westlake seems to be kind of a breeding ground for uh, or a farm system for uh, future Longhorns. Um, and uh, uh, Bentley Cotton is also a Westlake product. So I guess add the women's golf team to that list. Uh, Bentley is a three-year letter winner. She's a member of Westlake's last two Class 6A championship teams. Surprise, surprise, Westlake winning something. <laughs> this past summer, she competed in the U.S. Women's Amateur, made it to the round of 32, which is really impressive for someone who's still in high school. Uh, Westlake coach Ashley Patterson said that Bentley can, quote, she hits the ball further than a West Texas mile and throw darts at flight. Throw darts, throws darts at flight, excuse me. Mike, you golf, that seems like a pretty pretty good thing to be having. Yeah, a I, I, uh, I can hit the ball far. I cannot do the dart thing. I throw darts into sand traps. <laughs> yeah, I asked Coach Patterson to describe Bentley in one word. She chose committed. Um, when I asked her kind of to exp- expand on that, you know, she just talked about Bentley's um, work ethic when it comes to workouts, being on the course, supporting her teammates. Uh, all in all, she is a um, all in all pretty good package. Um, Bentley committed to Texas this past July, and you know as much as Coach Patterson talked her up, you know that might seem surprising when you consider Coach Patterson's background. She's an Aggie, and she said it's going to be a it would take a special kind of golfer to get her to root for the Longhorns, and Bentley is going to do that. So we'll see uh, if we can get a uh, Coach Patterson some burnt orange next uh, <laughs> next season. Bentley makes that happen. Uh, Mike, let's uh, wrap this up. Uh, where are you going this weekend? What's kind of on your agenda? I will be back in Houston this weekend. Thursday, I'm going to go see Cy Fair and LaRondo Johnson, who's one of the best running backs in the state for 2021, one of the guys that Texas is in on. And then on Friday, I am going to a Taps game. I rarely go to Taps games, but my favorite offensive lineman in the 2021 class is named Donovan Jackson. 
he plays offensive tackle, he'll probably be a, a left guard down the road because he just doesn't have the height that some of these other you know five-star type prospects get. But he was the uh, MVP of the offensive line at the opening, and that included seniors, and he's only a junior. So I'm going to go watch him play. He was at the Texas LSU game, apparently really enjoyed it. And so, uh, yeah, I'm going to see a couple juniors that are on the radar here because, uh, you know, commitment stories I try to get through throughout the summer and spring. So now it's getting to targets, and then 2021 class is kind of the one in the spotlight because 2020 is almost done. Should be fun to see some, maybe some potential future Longhorns. Um Texas and Rice, as your gambling column gets published each week, you're a gambling guy, a recruiting guy, everything guy. So we're going to ask you to talk about uh, gambling. This is a 31.5-point spread. I'm sure you know who's favored. We're talking about Texas and Rice. Uh, Mike, are you taking those points, or how are you seeing this game? I'm going to give away the points. I'm going to give Rice and the 31.5 because it's the, that half, right? That's a hook. See, that this is a gambling term. This is a right? terminology, this, folks. This is a 31-and-a-half hook. So at 31, which is a very easy number to get to, four touchdowns and a field goal, that half point makes it really important. So I'm going to take the 31-and-a-half. I think Texas tries to make a point this week with the running game and the defense being better, kind of keeps it low scoring. Uh, it's kind of a slower tempo type game. I don't know if they get enough points to uh, really run it up and, and beat that spread. Yeah, I don't know anything about points. I'm going to take Texas. I'm not going to gamble anything, and I, we're no, just going to see I'm, how I'm this goes. I'm going to take goes. Texas to win straight up. Listen to Mike when it comes to gambling. Do not listen to me. Um, before we get out of here, we're going to do our mail bo- our mailbag. Um, as always, if you have a question, find me on Twitter. Find Mike on Twitter. I'm AAS Danny. Mike is at Craven Mike, or go to the Bevo Beat Facebook page, and you can comment um, in the comment section there. We'll we'll find your questions. But first question, Chris Benner. Chris Ben, excuse me, tweeter extraordinaire. CB. He asked if uh, we have AC, which um, if you've been paying attention to one of the dumbest controversies in the past couple of years, uh, it was, uh, is, is alluding to the LSU-Texas um, controversy, quote-unquote, this past weekend. So do we have AC in here? Uh, we do. We, we do. We, we, run it, we run it more than I do at my house, which is nice. I don't have to pay the bill, <laughs> I don't have to pay the bill here. Yeah, we could have nice. had some fun with that AC controversy, and then it got so serious. Everybody mm-hmm. tried to like make it a human rights violation yep. and stuff. It just we just kill all cool fun. Like that could have been a funny, hilarious little dumb story, and then we try to make it into like a you know something that NASA need to investigate or something like that. And it's of course, bad. every everyone has their side. You know, Texas fans they refuse to believe anything else. You saying LSU's is saying, you know, they should drag Texas out on the street and make them, uh, you know, pl- dress in the dress in a scolding hot parking lot or whatever. Even with an AC, it's hot. Yeah. The door opens all the time in the locker room. You're in and out. I mean, it's, it's going to be hot. It's, te- it's Texas. Louisiana, Texas, like, don't bring us into this. We still right. need that check to right. clear. Yeah, so, uh, exactly. Don't, don't drag our names into this. Uh, a scale of 1 to 10, what, how, how dumb was this controversy? I mean, 10. Abs- absolute 10. Um, I drove around a car for two years before I got this job without AC, so mm-hmm. I can't even imagine what uh, what that would be like. And, and on a serious note, that wouldn't even be funny. I mean, that would be like a serious like thing to like turn the AC off on somebody. I don't, it just got out of hand, in my opinion. Yeah, had that actually happened, I'm going to lean towards uh, maybe uh, the LSU people were embellishing. I'm sure Chris Del Conte would have yeah. heard about it. I he, think it was just hot. Yeah, he gets enough stuff in his like on Twitter mentions. On. He would have he would have heard it. he would have heard about it. All right, uh, let's go to Facebook uh, where Charles Kennedy last week, um, and I think this question still kind of holds true, but he asked uh, if there are any running backs coming to Austin in December um, since running back depth is such a problem. Is Texas going to have any early enrollees? They have, do have one running back commit, but are they going to have any 
um, early enrollees go through uh, spring practices. As of now, Bijan Robinson uh, cannot enroll early because he goes to a private school in Arizona that kind of requires some classes in the second semester of his senior year. They were trying to figure out kind of some ways uh, around that if possible. But as of now, Bijan Robinson, the only commitment uh, that's a running back in the 2020 class, would get here on June 2nd. I don't know if that matters so much for a running back. It's not like he can't get a playbook and figure that stuff out in the spring. He's a really smart kid. Um, But make no mistake about it, Bajon Robinson is coming in next season to play some football. He is not going to be a guy who gets redshirted unless he's injured or something like that. Like Bajon Robinson will be in the rotation no matter what Texas's running back situation looks like. He scored. He had almost 500 yards and six touchdowns on Friday night. The kid is an absolute yeah, all you derelicts out there that play high school fantasy football, um, <laughs> I, I would hope you would have you would have started him this past weekend because that is that's a lot of points. Is that a thing? I'm I'm sure it is. There's there's a lot of things out there that I don't. Yeah, I mean I don't we understand, play some underground it, gambling on some high yeah. school football with some people I want to DCTF, but I'm not, um, not going I'm not going to condone that that behavior. But I'm sure it's done done somewhere. Uh, let's go back to Twitter. A Boone Almanza, who you know, side note had two kids. Uh, who were very good athletes at St. Stephen's, but we're not talking about the Spartans. We're going to talk about Texas volleyball. Uh, he asked why Ashley Shook hasn't played yet for the volleyball team. Um, uh, junior setter, she's actually out with an ankle, in- ankle injury, still day-to-day um, from what I've been told. Um, it's going to be interesting when she gets healthy because uh, Jenna Gabriel's played very well um, in that setter position. Uh, Texas 3-1, and one, ranked third nationally. Only loss was a five-set loss to Stanford which is kind of the defending champion of the number one team. So when Ashley gets healthy, it's going to be interesting to see if they rock the boat and put her back in there or if Jenna still kind of steers it. But, you know, they're going to need um, as many setters as possible because if you're having an off game, it's nice to have that option off the bench with um, whoever that backup setter is or Riley Fishbeck, who is a senior who actually got some playing time in that nor- uh, opener against Northern Iowa. So uh, it will be interesting to see where, where, where she goes, but Ashley Shook is still day-to-day. All right, Mike, you ready for this? I am. All right, you asked on Twitter um, for a discussion about Parks and Rec versus The Office. Which show is better? I know which uh, angle you're going to take. Uh, let's just, uh, and if you want to chime in on Twitter, feel free. Um, but Mike, why don't you tell me uh, why Parks and Rec is better than The Office? Parks and Rec is much better than The Office because The Office is the most over- overrated sitcom to hit American television in my lifetime. It is good, it is not great. And the reason that it is not great is because the two main characters, or at least the two main plot-moving characters, in my point, are Jim and Pam, and they are both horrible, horrible people <laughs> who should not have their relationship modeled around at all. It was a bad... It's bad in a lot of ways. One, office romances, never a good idea. Two, Pam waited until Jim started dating somebody else to finally tell Jim that she liked him. Horrible move. He went after an engaged woman. And then their whole relationship throughout the whole way was rocky. You have none of that in Parks and Rec. You have Ron Swanson being awesome. That's it. Eggs and bacon. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I obviously was a big fan of both. Um, NBC had a nice slow run there. I actually thought Parks and Rec, the first season, was terrible. And I almost quit watching after that. I didn't enjoy their last season. I thought the way they ended the second to last season was the perfect ending. And they came back as most, se- most uh, shows Money grab. do a little bit, little bit too long. Not to say that The Office didn't go on too long, because right. as soon as Michael Scott left, they should have left too. But um, I just think that, you know, with Parks and Rec, you know, I don't have a lot of, you know, quotable moments or, you know, memorable scenes. 
I have memorable characters from Parks and Rec. Right. Obviously, Ron Swanson right. was great. I thought April um, was awesome because Aubrey Plaza is awesome. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, obviously, you know, Leslie Nope is a memorable, memorable character. I had memorable characters, but I didn't have a lot of memorable scenes. And I have a lot of memorable scenes from The Office that I like. Um, you know, as with any show, like you said, Jim and Pam are terrible people. Andy my, and April if, way better than Jim and Pam. Yeah, I, I would, I would agree. I would say uh, if Michael Scott was anyone's boss, um, they would probably be in HR a lot quicker than anyone at, the, at Dunder Mifflin was. But I will always go for The Office. Um, it's a show I can watch on on repeat on Hulu or whatever service it's on. But maybe yeah. at its highest point, The Office was better. I just I can sit and watch any Parks and Rec and just like I just I don't know. I love I love I love Amy Poehler. Yeah, well, treat yourself to either one. I, I, treat yourself. I, I guess you can't really go too wrong. But, uh, yeah, that, that's going to be it for us uh, this week. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, if, you do, if you did like what you uh, heard, uh, rate us on <laughs> – go re- give us a review in the Apple Store or in the Google Podcast app. If you hated what you heard, maybe don't go review us because uh, we like good ratings. Uh, our bosses like good ratings too. But this is the Longhorn Confidential Podcast presented by Zaxby's. We will see you next week, and thanks for listening. Peace.